By definition, an antenna is a metal whip designed to receive and transmit radio signals within a given area. It's BS in the Morning on KSLQ and Westplex 107.1. Okay, so where's Shelly? I don't hear her. She's not here. What happened to Shelly? Let's call her and see what's going on. Let's call her. Come on, we got to do this. We can't just not <laughs> take advantage of a situation like this, right? Uh, okay, here we go. Turn on the old phone. There's one ring. Two rings. Three rings. It's going to be one of those days I can tell. Four rings. We're going to get voicemail. We have reached the voicemail. Here we go. Well, you know what? This is the BS show. I'm Shelly, and she's not Brad because she's not here right now. So uh, we come here every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 in the morning, and we do stuff on the radio. Yes, we do stuff on the radio. What do we do stuff on the radio? Think about stuff. What stuff? Translate that into another S word, right? <laughs> That's essentially what we do. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about this morning. Crazy stuff in the news, as there is almost every day nowadays. Just bizarre, weird stuff. Uh, we'll talk about the fact that there's a balloon club. Matter of fact, let me find this real quick, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, this, comp- this balloon club is called the, where is this, where'd it go? It's called the, oh, where did it go? I had it here. I had it here last night. Uh, there's, there's stuff about uh, Biden's earning 106. No, that's the wrong day. I'll look at the wrong day. That's the problem. Okay, here we go. Here's where we're talking about. It's called the uh, commercial fire launch in 15 years. Uh, John Fetterman, Entertainment Tonight, Disney employees. I thought I saved it. I guess I didn't. Uh, anyway, a club in Illinois has come out and said, hey, you guys, you, you, you know, America, USAF, you shot down one of our balloons. And apparently, I didn't realize this. Let's see if I can find it here. I know I saved it somewhere on here. Drives me nuts when I do this. Uh, here it is, right? Here's the article. Okay, it's out of Aviation Week. And the headline of the article is, Hobby Club's Missing Balloon Feared Shot Down by USAF. Okay. And it talks about a middle school class learns how to use a scientific balloon solutions, uh, scientific balloon solutions, Pico Balloon. And this is a company called Scientific Balloon Solutions. So there goes my alarm. What's going on there? Uh, John Combes, 12 feet. Here's a good one. It's going to slow. Okay, I'll do that one too. Okay, I'm getting all sorts of suggestions from the for the show this morning. Anyway, this this uh, where did it go again? Da, 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 da. Boy, can you tell I'm prepared this morning? Here, I'll send this. I get I sent this to my son last night. Anyway, uh, the club it's called get risk get get this. The club is called the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. NIBBB is not pointing fingers yet, but the circumstantial evidence at least is intriguing. The club's silver-coated party-style Pico balloon reported its last position on February 10th at 38,910 feet off the west coast of Alaska, and a popular forecasting tool 
the high split H-Y-S-P-L-I-T model provided by NOAA, that's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, projected the cylindrically shaped object would be floating high over the central part of the Yukon Territory on February 11th. That is the same day a Lockheed Martin F-22 shot down an unidentified object of a similar description and altitude in the same general area. There are suspicions among other prominent members of the small Pico ballooning enthusiast community, which combines ham radio and high-frequency and high-altitude ballooning into a single relatively affordable hobby. And essentially what they're saying is these balloons, and I'm going like, okay, now hold on. And the balloons cost, are you ready for this, between $12 and $180 a piece. Think about it. The United States government shot down a $12 balloon with a $400,000 missile. Uh, retired FedEx engineer Tom Medlin says, I'm guessing they were probably Pico balloons. Uh, he's a co-host of Amateur Radio Roundtable Show. Uh, a- Aviation Week contacted a host of government agencies, including the FBI, Nor- uh, NORAD, the National Security Council, NSC Office of Secretary of Defense, for comment about the possibility of Pico balloons. The NSC did not respond to repeated requests. The FBI and OSD did not acknowledge that harmless Pico balloons are being considered as possible identities for the mysterious objects shot, shot down by the Air Force. I have no update for you from NORAD on these objects, the NORAD spokesman person said. On February 15th, NSE spokesman John Kirby reported uh, that all three objects could, quote, just be balloons tied to some commercial or benign purpose, but he did not mention the possibility of Pico balloons. Essentially, what these guys do, it's a it's a hobby. They, got, they get these balloons, and what's interesting is apparently they're very small because I'm thinking to myself, isn't there like an FAA rule against that? No. Apparently, the FAA rule is if the balloon weighs less than six pounds, you can do it absolutely positively, totally unlicensed. No FAA license, no end tail number, anything like that. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Anyway, that's the interesting story this morning. If Shelly comes along, we'll talk more about that. Anyway, it is 621. We're going to take a break, and hopefully Shelly will be along. If not, I'm out of here. I'm going back to bed. That's all there is to it. It's 621. I always love how that ends. <laughs> it's just gone. Uh, good morning to you. It's BS That Show. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. Together we make BS. And I have no idea what happened to Shelly. And, you know, at this point in time, I guess I get a little worried because I believe I heard from her earlier. She normally calls me early and wakes me up. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. Let's look at this. Recent calls. We do that. We do this. We'll hit this again. And we'll see if she's still incommunicado. 628. It is a Friday. My favorite day of the entire week. Although it ain't nothing unless I have a co-host. Just like last week. She wasn't here last week, but of course she had some doctor kind of stuff she had to do last week. You know, don't you hate it when you have to do doctor stuff? Most doctors, except for Dr. Weikert, you don't want to go see. You know, they always have bad news for you. They always tell you, you know, you weigh too much. You have reached a voice. Your cholesterol's too high. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you don't get enough sleep. You're not eating the right kind of stuff. You, you need to eat those supplements. You need to eat vitamins. You need to, you know, do whatever you're not doing. That's what you need to do. That's how doctors are, for the most part. And then you look at them, and they're 400 pounds overweight, and they got a cigarette in their mouth, and they got a drink. They're, they're slamming back a couple brewskis while they're talking to you. You know, <laughs> You believe this? If you go look at some of these old videos, I, actually not really videos of well, they are videos now, but they they were originally film. The doctor's in his office smoking. Yes, the doctor is smoking in his office. He's got patients and he's smoking while he's taking care of patients. How things have changed. How things have changed. Some sad news. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Bruce Willis's family has come out and said that he has essentially um, Alzheimer's. 
and I know they gave it something like CFT, conformal frontal lobe transmuscle, it's some weird medical term, but apparently there's a part of his brain that's not functioning anymore. If you remember last year that came out that he has aphasia, uh, which is really sad. My mom, I've talked about this before, my mom worked with special, mainly kids, but she did some adults. My mom was a speech and hearing therapist. And one of the problems that people have when they have like a stroke or something like that, aphasia, is that it affects the part of the brain that makes you talk, essentially. There are certain things you can't do. You have trouble with, you know, certain things that normally you and I take for granted doing every day. And uh, it affects a lot of people's speech. And apparently... The next step in what's happening with Bruce Willis is that this is what's happened, and now he has essentially um, lapsed into the um, Alzheimer's phase because of brain problems. And I'm going like, God, this is so sad. 67 years old. You know, I mean, think about it. All the incredible movies the guy's been in. The big the big movie that turned him into, like, the megastar because up until that, he was just like, a, you remember back in the day? Back in the day, you were a second-class citizen if you did TV. Now, that's where the money's at. Essentially, I mean, it's a different realm. I mean, we're talking back in the day was broadcast TV on ABC, NBC, CBS, one of the three networks. And then Fox came along. But still, you were like, that was like second-class citizen. If you were a real actor and you made buku bucks, you were on the big screen. They called it big screen, small screen. Big screen, small screen. Not anymore. <laughs> in fact, people have some huge screens in their house now. But back in the day, you know, a big screen was probably, you know, and the, and the dimensions were different. Now it's what they call the aspect ratio is 16, 16 to 9, which means it's almost, it's almost a, 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 you know, twice as wide. It's, it's actually a little, bit, a little bit taller than it is wider, if that makes any sense. If it were 16 to 8, it would essentially be 2 to 1. So it would be, you know, two times as, as, as wide as it is as high. But it's a little bit wider uh, than, or excuse me, a little bit taller. That's the new aspect ratio that almost your computer monitors are. As a matter of fact, your phone, everything's pretty, pretty much 16 to 9. Back in the day, it was 4 by 3. And uh, you were on the little screen. But And then if you made the jump to the big screen, like Bruce Willis did, then, oh, my God, you were a star. Now... There's all these people, stars who are making gazillion dollars by doing stuff for Netflix and Amazon and things like that. They're making more money doing television than, which essentially it is, you know, think of it, it's just video. It's not, the idea being is film, if they put it on film, even though there's no film anymore for most theaters, it's all electronic projection. But you'd go to the theater and you'd sit and you'd watch the movie and then... And then maybe three or four years later, the movie would be released and you'd see it on TV. Now, you got stuff that's being done. We talked about this yesterday. The, the Winnie the Pooh movie, because the copyright is expired on Winnie the Pooh, at least the first book. And there's a guy in England who's created a slasher movie, which debuted yesterday. I have to check that and see if they got box office in that. They said they pre-released it in Mexico and it already made $700,000. Now, the guy probably spent, eh, $50,000 making it. Now, keep in mind, you know, if he if they made $700,000, he doesn't get all $700,000. The theaters get a, a chunk of that, and the distribution company gets a chunk of that. But essentially, he's in the black and hasn't even hit the uh, the American theaters yet. And then there's also DVD, well, not necessarily DVD, but somebody will probably buy it up. Netflix or Amazon or somebody will buy it up. And essentially what he's done is he's turned Winnie the Pooh into a slasher. And we read this, I read the story robin what's his name 
I can't remember. I hated Winnie the Pooh. I always thought that was stupid when I was a kid. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Why would you name a bear after Pooh? You know? Why would you name a radio station after Pooh? Crap. Why would you do that? Don't know. Anyway, that was the deal with, uh, with that movie. Shelly, one more time, and you know what? I'm going back to bed. That's all there is to it. The advantages of being the H-A-H-M-I-C, which I am, uh, <laughs> think about that for one for, for a minute. I can't even talk this morning. Here we go. The advantage of, here we go, one more time, and then I'm out of here. Hey, guess hey. what? We're on the radio. Look, Mom, I'm on the radio. Where are you? <laughs> Not on the radio. <laughs> you know what time it is? I do. I just woke up. Okay, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you know what? What? If you're not on the radio after the next set of commercials, I'm going back to bed. I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Um, you called what me. What time is then? You called me this morning at five, didn't you? Did I? Well, I think you did. I remember that. I do remember I, that. I don't remember that. No. Um, yes, I will be up there in about three minutes. Hey. What? I don't want to pull rank on you, but I am the H, the HMFIC. If you're not here by the next break, I, you know what that means, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yes, Brad, I, I totally know what that means, and I think everybody else does, too. No, nobody knows what that is. No, they really do. No. You sound. You don't sound like you just woke up. You sound like Perky. You know. You sound like your normal self. Oh, that's because I knew you were calling me, and it, I get just got all excited. It's because yeah, it's because the drugs. Is that what it is? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, okay, so how can I get ready when you're jib- jibber jabbering with me? I'm jibber jabbering with you. Mm-hmm. Is that what we call this jibber jabber? You put we call it something. You put our incredibly complicated talks i mean like i've got people from npr calling me up and going like oh my god we we listened to bs in the morning bs show last week and you guys are so good you say things so complicated and you use words that nobody else understands and you talk about quantum physics and you talk about very very arcane aspects of the law and you talk about how republicans are all jerks and how donald trump should be tarred and feathered we have to get you on npr what they did they called last week but i didn't tell you yeah about and that. then they said and brad <laughs> leave us alone <laughs> And I said to him, I said to him, so if I come to work at NPR, do I get my own chef? Oh, your own chef, your own valet, your own, your own personal driver, your own, you get a a valet at your house and we'll put a pool in your backyard and we'll give you not a pool boy, but a pool girl. I'm going, how can I, how can I I pass on a deal like that? And of course, this is government paid for by the government. Oh, of course, everything we do is paid for the government. We leave no expense unturned because when it's the government's money, we can just spend money like it's our money, but it's not, it's everybody else's money, but we treat it like it's our money and we don't really care what we spend it on. I say, well, let me run it by Shelly. I don't know if Shelly's going to be real happy about this. I'm sure that's just what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but see, we'd have to talk. See, if we move over to NPR, we'd have to say, 
here's how we'd have it. Here's how we'd have to do it. Oh my gosh, I was listening. Hold Sorry. It, hold it. Here's how we have to do it. Oh. Good morning. It's six thirty-seven. My co-host is Shelly Barr. Shelly, good morning to you. Good morning, Brad. I was reading the New York Times this morning, and there's 14 new articles that talk about how Donald Trump is such a bad person. And what's refreshing is there are four articles talking about what a great humanitarian Hunter Biden is. Did you read that article? I did not read that article. Oh, my God. It's fascinating. Just last week. I'm sure it was the page turner. There was a lady who was walking down the street, and apparently she was not paying attention to oncoming traffic. And she walked across the street, and an oncoming car almost collided with her. So a man jumped out and ran across the street and tackled her and said, my name is Hunter Biden. I just saved your life. And she says, oh, my God, I'm so glad I voted for your father. You didn't read that article, Shelley? I missed it. Well, Shelley, you know what? We have to play these commercials, which are actually commercials, but we've disguised them as, as non-commercials so we can make more money from organizations like the Ford Foundation and Bill Gates and his lovely wife who unfortunately divorced him because she claims that he indulged in some dalliances with this Epstein guy but we all know that's not true because we are NPR we are NPR (laughs) get ready (laughs) okay Give me three. Bye. I'll give you more than three. I'll give you four. How's that? Oh, oh that's very decent of you, Brad. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Bye. It is, it is 639. It is BS.show. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. Together we make BS. It is 645. And you know what? Hold on a minute. Uh, hold, let me see if I can find Shelly real quick. Uh, where is she? Hold on a minute. Let me. Is this, is this her right here? Hold on. I think I got Shelly right here. She's still on the phone. She's not in her studio yet. See if she's going to answer the phone this time. Hey, Brad, what's happening? Is this Shelly? Oh, I thought I was calling Shelly. It's definitely Shelly. This is Shelly Barr. Oh, that's who I thought. Yeah. Hey, I listen. Ask me. Ask me a question, Brad, and I'll do my Shelly Barr impression. Let's get us all on the on the air. Okay. Hey, here's my Shelly Barr impression. Ready? Okay, go ahead. Okay, I, I'm going to do a Brad Hildebrand, and then I'm going to do a Shelly Barr. Oh, hey, 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 Shelly. Shelly, I was just reading an article about the 1968 World Series, and you know, you know how Kurt Flood was going was gonna to slide, and then Lou Brock told him not to? You remember that, don't you, Shelly? And Shelly says, no, Brad, I don't. And Brad says, you don't remember? You don't remember Bill Freehan, the catcher, standing there when Lou Brock was going to come in? And then smartest woman in the world texts, and says, Brad, leave Shelly alone. She clearly doesn't remember the 1968 World Series. And then we just go from there. <laughs> this act one of the play, Brad. <laughs> it's mostly you lecturing Shelly about some obscure fact. You don't know who, who, who Susanna Hoffs is? She's the lead singer of the Bengals. You don't remember Susanna Hoffs? And Shelly says, no, Brad, I don't, I don't really remember Susanna. So, John, you're telling me the show sucks? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, I, absolutely not. I love it because we're all here's, – here's what I love most is that we're rooting like for Shelly to, first of all, throat punch you, which would get her thrown off on Facebook. But also 
we're we're rooting for Shelly. We're like clearly, clearly, Brad. Shelly does not remember this obscure musical or aeronautical fact. And then and then you have you know you have smartest woman in the world weighing in, and who I love by the way, and I've never met her. But you have smartest woman in the world weighing in, saying, "Brad, Brad, here's the facts. Just just let Shelly go, right?" Anyway, it's great. <laughs> and that's my Shelly Barr impression. That, that's Act One of the of the stage play that we'll put together. <laughs> John Combest, who, by the way, how's the book going? By the way, hey, it's going well. You know, my favorite part of the book is when I'm driving and I have 107.1 on, and at about 34 minutes after the hour, I hear my own voice. <laughs> You hear you. I mean, I think that's everybody's dream is to be riding down the road and hear their own voice. So, you know, and for, for the sake of being self-glorifying. No, it's great. And, and you know, I keep getting good feedback on it. This is I, I've told Brad this before privately, but the book is the most meaningful thing I've I've done, um, you know, certainly professionally or, or politically or I'm, I'm sorry, professionally or personally. Well, let's. Um, let... Let's give some background here because, you know, you and I are talking about, and I've done a terrible thing. I have not officially introduced you. You're John Combest, uh, who we've had on the show here before. Matter of fact, you are yep. on you are on uh, our other station, Podcaster, and uh, yep. you – can I mention the company you used to work for? Is that okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. John used to be what's called a comms guy at Monsanto. And uh, you have an interesting job because Monsanto, an agribusiness uh, company, you went all over, what, the world? You know, like looking at crops and things like that and talking to farmers and things like that, right? Well, I was based here in the U.S. And for, for the first part of my career, I was here in the United States, yeah. And so we worked on a lot of – I worked on a lot of issues. If you remember back in, in the 2000s, late 2000s, there was still a big controversy about GMOs. Right, and right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was it was, I was blessed to be able to work in in that field in an area when it was really controversial, um, and and really you know Brad and I have talked about this before too, but most of your listeners will remember how controversial GMOs were twenty right. years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there's there's no controversy about it today because the science is is settled. Everybody was uh, saying on the safety of it. Everybody was saying if you if you ate the and GMOs are ge- genetically what manipulated is that what is genetically modified organism, modified organism. Yeah. Okay, uh, orgasm. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll. You know what? Shelly should use that as a drop on you, Brad. <laughs> That's right. Brad saying genetically modified orgasm. <laughs> yeah, that's not what it, organism. Okay, so so the idea being, and what people were afraid of, you've ate GMO wheat, you're going to grow a third leg, right? Wasn't that what the deal yes, was? Yeah, and, that was essentially what it is. Right, yeah. and you're going to have horns come out of your head, and you're going to have 12 fingers and stuff like that. Okay, so that's what you did, and then you were around during the beginning of social media impacting the corporate world, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it was when, you know, and I came to Monsanto in 2008, which is really when Twitter was exploding. And, you know, the cool thing about Twitter, as everybody knows, is it it gave ordinary people like me and Brad and the rest of us an opportunity to tweet directly at CEOs who in some cases had this technology on their desk during the workday. And all of a sudden, people are, are talking directly to these executives, which, of course, made people in the corporate world freak out, right? <laughs> yes, Part of exactly. your value when you're doing executive communications, um, you know, we called it executive voice, but it's really ghostwriting, is trying to put a fence up in some cases around your executives so that they don't get distracted by shiny objects. 
Well, there's not much more of a shiny object than somebody tweeting at you in the course of a day. Right. And and the interesting thing about it is what I always get a kick out of is if you know some of these people, which I, you know, who I do, that then you see like a statement that's issued by them. You go like, that's not he, how he talks. Right, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, course. he doesn't talk like that at all. You know, because it's always very stilted. It's, it's sort of like listening to NPR. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I enjoyed the thread earlier where you were talking to Shelly about that. Well, and remember, too, to give, a, to give a break to the folks who do these kind of corporate communications. And in St. Louis, whether it's, you know, your big corporations or your smaller ones, but particularly the bigger ones, the comms people generally put out something with a little bit of meaning or substance. And then you send it to legal and you just have it's <laughs> obliterated. So, you know, for example, we, we wouldn't be able to say if me and Shelly and Brad put out a statement saying the Friday show, a break the format Friday was was a great time for listeners. Legal would send it back and say, break the format Friday has the potential under the right circumstances to provide some listeners with a positive short-term experience. <laughs> Boy, you're good at this. That's exactly what they would say. And, you know, what's frustrating to me is, and I don't, you know, you and I delve into politics, but mm -hmm. being a guy who spent his entire life in the media, that to me is what the attraction to Donald Trump was. He was an average Absolutely. guy. He talked like we talked. He didn't talk in crazy corporate speak or stuff like that. And and that's what people – I agree with you completely. And, you know, the great thing and one of the reasons why the media secretly loved Donald Trump, and we saw this – we see this firsthand, anybody that deals with the media, there was no way – if you're a 23-year-old TV reporter – for a second rate, let's say uh, small cable station, there's no way that George W. Bush or Barack Obama or Joe Biden is going to give you 30 seconds uh, a week. But Donald Trump would get off that helicopter and he would take questions until there were no more questions. I know. So if you're if you're that young 23 year old reporter who's not going to get on TV any otherwise, you get on you you're able to ask Donald Trump a question and then you get on your news broadcast and you say, "Oh, and when Donald Trump got off that plane, I held him to account and I asked him why he was doing that, and here's what Donald Trump told me." But see, so then you have these great clips for your sizzle reel, if sizzle reel still exists. Yes. And you're able to say <laughs> Look, I've directly questioned U.S. presidents before. So the, the media secretly loved Donald Trump. And look at the proof is in the numbers. The proof is in what the ratings did after Trump essentially went away or went more quiet. Um, Trump was Trump was brilliant for the news media. Well, CNN's ratings and MS, MSNBC's ratings are in the toilet because yeah. <laughs> nobody. You know, There's just not any. And, see, and, but back to your point about the, you know, uh, and you've mentioned it too, Brad, like in your past when you would want to interview folks on the radio and you would have the a version of me as a man or a woman a comms person be like well you can talk to them but you just just don't ask about these four subjects right and right. it's like then what's the point of having the conversation if we can't have a conversation well the, the what i always get was they would say the people would say to me the comms people would say can you send me the list of questions you're going to ask <laughs> yeah. and i would say i say i i would but i have no list i never have a list yeah and they go well you don't prep for these interviews yeah i read stuff but you yeah. know 
what? I just go with the flow. You know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, if, if I did an interview yesterday with Gina Grad, I don't know who she is. She's a big uh, LA radio personality and has been n- internationally for several years because she was with Adam Carolla. She was on Adam Carolla's okay, Daily yep, Podcast, yep. and she's written an interesting book. Uh, she was never married before, and she got married to a guy who had a kid. And she's written a book called uh, My Extra Mom. Essentially, she's the extra mom. Really interesting book. Mm-hmm. Uh, talks about you know things that that uh, blended families can do to you know get everybody on the same page but what's interesting was she's a radio person i'm a radio person i email her i go hey let's get together we'll do this interview on you know on 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 uh, we did it on zoom and we just say okay here, you ready to go yeah okay let's go and we just go yeah. And and it's very natural. She's a you know obviously she's a very talented woman, and it was very easy to interview. And the sad thing is, there are people out there that are really good glib people, you know, like in politics and in in corporate world, but they can never show that off. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and, and you know exactly to that point on the corporate side especially or the political side the fear of saying one thing wrong the fear of having in 2006 your macaca moment where you call somebody uh, some obscure slur or your fear of having one of those howard dean moments where you scream on stage in the corporate world folks live in fear of having one verbal misstep that's played over and over and over again do you mean like the one that happened yesterday you know you know th- this one when, no, I don't know this one. Don Lemon, have you heard this one? Oh, I heard the, the Don Lemon passed your prime copy. <laughs> yes. He said he said Nikki Haley, who how old is Nikki Haley? She's not that old. She's uh she's fifth I want to say she's you guys talked about it on the show yesterday. She was born in seventy two. You guys looked it up. Yes, that's so she's right. she's right. fifty or fifty one. Okay. So Don Lemon said that Nikki Haley was past her prime, right? And here's the thing. I mean, with with respect to the to all the the diversity of folks in the Westplex and here in Chesterfield who listen to the station, for Don Lemon to be now maybe if Don Lemon was talking about um, Nikki Haley in in terms of breeding, in terms of making babies, uh, which is an entirely different concept for Don Lemon to be talking about. But maybe maybe he meant in a biological sense. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt, right? He's he's a he's a very objective news reporter, Brad. I don't know why you would be questioning. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I don't know why he would be questioning Don Lemon's objectivity on on such topics on a Republican woman. Well, but and it was interesting was he used to do a nighttime show by himself. Now he's doing a morning show, sort of like a today, you know, a Good Morning America kind yeah. of thing. And the two women co-hosts went after him. You know, yeah. what do you mean he's past his, she's past her prime? And the interesting, so, the interesting thing was I heard that and I'm thinking to myself, okay, first off, dude, you know, we're talking about, you know, women who are, you know, and men as well, too. I mean, you know, so in other words, if if she's 51 and she's past her prime, what does that make Joe Biden? What, you know, what does that make? And I don't know if you saw this thing the other day that that was sad to me that Barbara Boxer, do you know this whole crazy weird story? I don't know. Barbara Boxer, the official, uh, she's the, I think she's like 70, I mean, she might even be in her 80s. She's in her 80s. Okay, at least at least in her 80s. Yeah. She she's the senator, one of the two senators from California, and the announcement right. came on that she's not going to run for reelection. She's going to retire at the, at the end of this and this term. And she comes out, and the reporters start asking about this, and she doesn't know anything about it. 
She's going like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, don't, I, I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen this at all. And the sad part of it is, she's just gone. You know, let's be honest. Right. With yeah. her mind yeah. is just. And you know, it's sad when we get that way. I talked about if you heard me earlier talk about that's what's happening with Bruce Willis. You know, yeah, I mean, I did hear that. It's so sad because yeah. they're still functional human beings. They still have a body. They're still walking around. They're still eating. They're still you know conversing with you. But they're like resorting to like. You know, a two or three year old. It's got like God. Yeah. Somebody and, like and there's a difference between that and, you know, kind of the, the weekend at Bernie's phenomenon of having somebody who clearly shouldn't be there anymore. And Missouri dealt with that years ago with a congresswoman from the Kansas City side, uh, Karen McCarthy. But on the flip side of that, it would be a good time to talk about how, you know, Shelley did an interview with Sally Faith, who Sally and exactly. her family have been a role model for saying, I have dementia, my mind is slipping. Um, but here's what I'm doing now. Here, here's what we can do. And it's a blueprint for how folks who, who handle it. And it affects everybody's family. You, I couldn't agree with you more. And it was very courageous of Sally Faith to do that. A person who's been in the public eye for a long time yeah. as a state, as a state uh, elected official. State rep, at, and then she was a ma- she was the mayor. Correct? Mayor of St. Charles City, yep. yes, for a long time. So, hey, you know what? I got to go. I don't have no idea what happened to Shelly. Uh, do, do one more, Shelly. Shelly, we love you. Shelly, it, it was great to hear your voice just momentarily. Hold, hold, and hold, I'll hold, keep hold, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here, hold on. Here, here, here she is. <laughs> Shelly, are you there? I am. Do you hear your hey, biggest? We're all on the, we're all here together. <laughs> Shelly, we were just talking about I, you. Do you hear your what? biggest? Do you hear your biggest fan talking about you? <laughs> well, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> and did you did you hear your biggest fan making fun of me? <laughs> Brad, I was not. Well, I was paying homage to you, Brad. Yeah. I was making, kind of paying you. homage to your 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 occasional haranguing <laughs> of of Shelley about I about uh you know singers from the 1990s who 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 Shelley might not be up on their latest happenings. Shelley, do I do that to you? Every damn day. <laughs> <laughs> And he's even comp. See, see, John. I thought John was on my side, but he's on Shelly's side and the smartest woman in the world side. <laughs> Shout out to the smartest feel, woman in the world. I, I hope know, she's listening um, today. Got, you know, uh, hey, jammed up on. <laughs> no, me. Hey, sincerely, yeah. John. I will tell you something, and I'm not kidding when I say this, and Shelly will agree. Just yesterday, Shelly said to me, "You know." I've been reading John Combest's book, and she says, "What a great book that is!" Right? It really is. And if given the given the name of the book, it's called "Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling: A Guide to uh, Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks." And folks can find it if they go to Amazon. They can look up my last name, which is Combest, or they can just look up online attacks. Right. If if you just go to Amazon and in the search bar, you just type in John Combest, yep. C O M B E S T, it'll show up. And- and it's for anyone who anyone who's active on social media. If you express any sort of opinion on social media, chances are you've either been attacked or you're about to be attacked. And I so will this give, talks a little bit about how to handle it. And I will just And you never you, want to say the F bomb <laughs> on social media. Okay. Yeah. I will say this that for the price of your book and what is it? It's like it's what's like how much it's is like it? Twelve ninety nine. Yeah. The Kindle is seven ninety nine and the paperback is twelve ninety nine. For twelve ninety nine, you're getting advice from a guy who is a high paid consultant or a high paid comms guy from Monsanto who dealt with this kind of stuff on a daily basis. This is what you did. Your life was this and essentially you've you're giving your people or you're giving the, the, the people out there the chance to share your knowledge for twelve dollars and ninety nine cents essentially. Right. 
That's right. And I appreciate everything that you and Shelly are doing to spread the word about the, the book. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Bye, John. Talk to you later. Bye. Right. Take care. Okay. Bye, Bye, John. <laughs> Shelly, are you I o- like that young man. <laughs> are you I o- just do. Are you okay? He's pretty cool. He's, he's one of those guys that when you talk to him, you know that's like there's this this IBM big blue computer in his brain that's just yes. going 5000 miles an hour. Yes. You know, it's just and it's to the point where I would not if he were like a debater, I would not want to debate him. You know what I'm saying? If No, no, he he knows how to pick his words on the fly. <laughs> right. He could he could bury me in like 30 seconds. He you know, couldn't. I would if, love to And see I'm thinking that. to myself, he don't you think he'd make a great attorney? I do. I mean, even though he makes fun of attorneys because of the fact that he he can put he can put things so succinctly and not do the corporate speak thing, you know? Hey, you know what time it is? It's seven oh three. I'm done for the day. I'm going home. <laughs> Are you? No, <laughs> we're I'm all. I'm like, dude. I just got up for you. <laughs> oh, I hold it. <laughs> Don't even think about it. <laughs> hold on a minute. Do I have it yet? Oh, no. 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 Oh no 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 hold on hold on a minute. Hold on. I got, I'll do it the next break. Okay, I can't do it right now. Okay, here's what we're going to do. What? We're going to do – I missed a break, so I owe some people some commercials. Uh, it's 7.03. We're going to uh, do the top of the hour ID, and Shelly always asks about that. Do the top of the hour ID commercials. We'll be back, okay? Okay. It's 7.03. It is BS.show. I can still remember the very first time I heard that song, I thought to myself, what is that? <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that song too. It was like it was like Gregorian chants and yes. some crazy weird music with I have no idea what that instrument was. Then I learned it was an ocarina, and then I heard some lady in the middle go, ah, ah, ah. and I'm going, "What is this?" I'm going, "I love it." See, you know what's the sad thing nowadays is, and I want to I don't want to sound like, well, you know, back in the day when they made good music. We play a lot of stuff that's really some great music, but there's a certain formula that's gotten to the point where, you know, once again, it's the death of rock and roll. There's no rock. There, I guess if I listen to Casey, I mean, I haven't listened to Casey in a long time. Do you ever listen to Casey anymore? Um, I have to say I do. Do they play anything new or is it just all like, hey, here's Led Zeppelin for the 9,452nd time on Casey 95? Is it is it ever anything like is are there any new rock groups coming around like you know Jimmy and the Frogs or something like that you know no probably not so it's it's so all so you don't like Casey no Casey ninety five okay it's never been my number one station and once again you like bubblegum music no I like pop music I like see but yet what's interesting about it is and let me let me tell you an interesting phase of my in the radio business okay. You know what one of the worst things that this is going back when I make in the 70s and 80s. You know what one of the worst things for a rock group to have happen to them? Like let's say like let's say let's pick a band like Ario Speedwagon, okay? Uh-huh. When Ario Speedwagon first came out, they played the daylights out of them on Casey, okay? But when Ario Speedwagon started having hits and we would play them on KSOQ, they would drop Ario Speedwagon on Casey. They wouldn't play them anymore because of the fact, oh, it's, it's mainstream, it's pop, right, it's bubblegum. And what would the artists would be accused of selling out. Now, I'll give you a perfect example of a group that sold out, Chicago. To this day, 
I say that the original Chicago album, they're up to like Chicago 4,962 now, but the original album was called Chicago Transit Authority, and they got sued by the city of Chicago because that's the name of the transit system in, in Chicago, CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, and essentially they just shortened their name to Chicago. That original album, Chicago Transit Authority, it's a double album. There's like 28 songs or something like It is one of the most amazing artistic works in the rock era. Now, people go, what's he talking about? Chicago. Because of the fact that there is so much diversity. Matter of fact, there is a song to this day that I still enjoy, and it's the very first song on that album, on that double set album. It's called Introduction. And essentially, they take you through, and I think he, he starts out, hey, let me take you through the moves, the moods, and essentially it's this song that goes all over the place. At one point in time, it's this it's this rockin' song with this Terry Kath, you know, shredding his guitar. The next minute, it's a slow ballad with a guy on the piano playing, and then the Rhodes electric piano, and then a guy playing trombone solo. When's the last time you heard a trombone solo on a rock song? You know, you don't hear it. Then a trumpet solo, very slow, and then the thing speeds back up, and there's a vocal. I'm going like, it's, and matter of fact, if you go to, if you go on YouTube and you type in Leonid, L-E-O, N-I-D, Leonid and Friends. And Friends. And Friends. It's these Russian guys who, who do covers of all these songs. And you type in Leonid, L-E-O-N-I-D, and Friends introduction. You will find that video. It's incredible. They do it note for note. And quite honestly, they do it better than Chicago did it. And it's so well done. And once again, everything nowadays is Pro Tools. You don't know what that is. Pro Tools is this. I know what it is. You know what it is. I mean, the listeners, most listeners don't know what it is. Pro Tools is what's called a DAW, a digital audio uh, workspace, whatever you want to call it, you know, workshop, whatever. And it's, it's it's essentially, it's a computer program. And it's how almost all music is produced nowadays. And to the point where there's very little musicianship in most music nowadays, I could, you know, you pick a song, you know, that that we play in the station, and chances are almost everything's synthesizers. And it's it's like I told you this story about the guy who was an ill mind. Remember I told you about him? Remember ill mind? No. Okay. The guy's name is. Let me see if I can look it up. I can't remember his real name. I heard about this guy of all places on NPR. You know, I'm thinking to myself, why would NPR? And it's a fascinating story. Uh, let me look it up. It's this guy, and it's interesting because his parents got mad at him because he, as you say, failure to launch, okay? Um, failure to launch. He calls these things, let me look it up. They're called blap kits, B-L-A-P-K-I-T-S. Blap kits. Okay, here it is right now, blap kits. Yeah, his name is, he's, if you want to look at the site, the site is B-L-A-P-K-I-T-S. And he says, he talks about... Um, what he does is he didn't, when he graduated from, I don't know if he graduated from high school or not, he would stay down in his parents' basement and he would record, he started out just doing drum tracks and he would record a snare drum. He had a snare drum and he would hit the snare drum with one kind of a stick. Then he would hear with another kind of a stick. Then he'd hit the snare drum, you know, he had a thing where he'd put the snare drum in a live room. There would like be reverb. Then he would put a, a, a blanket over the snare drum and hit the snare drum and he'd hit it in the middle, hit it on the side, hit it here, hit it here. And he'd record each one of those. And then he did it like with a tom and then, you know, our bass drum. And then he did it with a cymbal and they did it with a hi-hat. And he recorded all these things and he would just... He was on a roll. 
Time was, to go solo. <laughs> yes. And what he started doing was he started selling those, and now he sells these things called blap kits where um, – here, here, uh, and, and get this. The black, box, the black box bundle, every kit in one pack, it used to be $1,750. It's now $125. Here, here, here let, me, let me see if I can play this real quick. I'll play this. I don't know if this is going to come across or not. This might not be anything. I, hope it's- I love black kits. They give you inspiration if you don't have any. He paved the way. He's the pioneer. Illmind black kits and loops are dope. And I decided to buy every single black kit and loop kit that Illmind had to offer. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best investments I've made so far. I recently copped the Illmind black box bundle. Crazy good deal. And I got like 30 gigabytes of stuff that I've just been playing around with. The drums are just crispy. Like the kicks are more thumpy. The snares kind of have Okay, so there's the video for it. Say what he does is he just sells little. Essentially, he sells beats. He started out just selling drums. Now he sells guitar riffs and things Blacks like that. And beats. So what he does is people buy these and then they make songs out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and nothing against that, but he has one one restriction. He when you buy them, you you essentially you know you own them and you don't have to pay him royalties or anything like that. His one restriction is that if you get to be a successful song producer, artist, whatever, and you get a gold record or whatever, he has to be listed as a producer or a artist or something like that. So in other words, and there's no compensation, right? You just have to name. He, in other words, he just gets listed. He, in other words, it's like an ego thing to him. Hey, man, you know, let me see if I can do. And but so what? What he does is these people buy. You know, people buy his blap kits, and they put. And the rap community is huge on this. This is one most of the rap songs to the point where this is how most of them are done. They're buying, they're buying samples, they're buying beats, they're buying, you know, is his blap kits, and they're just taking the things and they're looping it on 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 Pro Tools. Now, Pro Tools is made by a company called Avid. This is nerd stuff, uh, and Avid is huge in the motion picture industry. So, this is the kind of stuff that essentially, when they do soundtracks for movies, most of the times they're doing it in. In Pro Tools, because most of the movies are now being edited or produced, whatever you want to call it, in Avid. I don't know what the actual program for the video is, but this is like almost how all movies are made. Back in the day, they used to go out and shoot film. They'd go develop the film, and then the editor would literally, you know, they talk about, you know, stuff on the on the cutting room floor. There would be a room where the editor would sit, and he would cut out pieces of the film. Not anymore. It's all done with a with a mouse and a keyboard. You know, just like what we do. We, we, you know, back in the day, we used to cut up audio tape. We used to quarter-inch tape. You used to have a razor, razor blade, and you have a grease pencil, and you mark where the spot was, and you'd, you'd put it on the splicing block, and you'd cut the tape, and you'd put a little piece, piece of splicing tape on it. an exacto knife. Well, no, we use, you know, we use, radio, we, we use single-sided razor blades. This we use. Oh, okay. Exacto, exacto blades were too hard to handle. Uh, uh, you know, razor blades. You'd buy them. Matter of fact, you go back to any radio station – back in the 70s and 80s, and there was always a box of single-edged razor blades. Now, some people thought that was for moving the... the, the wrists? No, no, that was for moving the white stuff around on mirrors, but that's what it was not for that. It was for cutting what? up, moving the white stuff around on mirrors. You get what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wouldn't have thought of that, but okay. But that's that was back in the day. First, it was razor blade, then it was hundred dollar bills. Remember, it was that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. I do. No, that you 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 rolled up. I'm sorry, you use a razor blade and then you use the hundred dollar bills as the straw. But anyway, that's a whole other story. We won't go there. So 
Anyway, what am I talking about? I don't Thank know. Thank you for that, lady. Okay, Shelly. Conversation. We talked about this when you were here last hour, but this club up in northern Illinois claims that the government shot down their balloon. Did you hear me talk okay. about I'm going to call my son and ask my son. I'll call him next break, see if, if he knows about this. Essentially. Which son? One, two, or three? Uh, number one. Okay. Okay. It's. There's this thing called Pico balloons, P-I-C-O, Pico, Pico, whatever you want to call it. And they're real small balloons, and these guys attach radio transmitters to them with a GPS thing, and they track them. And some of these balloons have gone around the world several times. And they're small little balloons that, and they, apparently from reading the article, I didn't realize this, the FAA rules are that if you if it weighs less than six pounds, it's you don't have to have a license or anything. You, you can just put these things up in the air. So the interesting thing about this is, okay, we got the the Chinese balloon, which we found out that you know the, the United States government knew exactly what it was from the time it lifted off off an island off the coast of China, and they knew exactly where it was all the time. And the only reason it got to be a hubbub is the photographer. Remember we read that story the other day where we played that audio. The photographer from Wyoming who <laughs> gets his telephoto lens out and goes, what's that? And takes a picture of it, and pretty soon it goes on social media. And then the government goes, oh, we don't know anything about that. But then it comes out that they know everything about that. So they didn't shoot it down until it got over the, the Atlantic coast. And then last weekend. And it was big. It wasn't right. something that you really had to strain your eyes. <laughs> right. And then last weekend, it comes out that what Friday, they shot down another one. And then Saturday, they shot down. And then Sunday. And it turns out these are all these hobbyist balloons. So they're shooting $400,000 Sidewinder missiles. You know, I wonder, the smartest woman in the world, does does Boeing make the Sidewinder? I don't know if you know this. You know when you go across 370, if you're going, if you're going like west and 370, you're coming out of St. Louis County and you cross over the Missouri right there, the whatever that bridge is, uh, and you come into St. Charles County right there at, uh, what is that, at, at, at 2nd Street? The bridge over troubled water. Okay, you know that plant right to your right that's just north of 370? That's where they make missiles. Did you know that? I did not. That's where the missiles are made, right? I can't remember which missiles are Interesting. made. Interesting. That's one of Boeing's plants. They make missiles at that plant right there. So they shoot down a $120 balloon with a $400,000 missile. I mean, <laughs> there's something about that. And the one, the last one they shot down on Sunday, the first missile missed. So, so once again, asymmetrical warfare. How do you want to conquer where the world? Where did it go? Well, they say it, it ended up in Lake Huron. You remember, I kid uh-huh. about the fact that some poor guys Did out it there. implode? I don't know. Some poor guys out. I mean, that's, that is an interesting question. Did it, did it explode? Is it underneath Lake Huron? What is that called? Unexploded, unexploded ordinance? Uh, what, U- that they have in U- Florida? UXO. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's what my son, my son has, his UXO license, which I am extremely jealous of him. If you he never, is so jealous. If you never heard this story, my son lives in Pensacola. My, this old, my, my oldest son, Brett. And one day he tells me this story about how he has his UXO license from the government. I go, what the hell's a UXO license? And he says, oh, it stands for unexploded ordinance. I go, you have an unexploded ordinance license? What happens is the Elgin, or is it Elgin or Eglin? I think it's Eglin. Eglin Air Force Base. It is, is Eglin. It's one of the largest bases in the country. And it dates back to pre-World War II. And in World War II, they used it as a practice range for artillery and bombs. 
and like bombs from planes and artillery bomb bombs and things like that. So it's so huge that a lot of the base they don't necessarily use all the time. So what they do is they have certain parts of the base that they open up for people to drive their dirt bikes and side-by-sides and ATVs, but you have to check in every day. They have a different section, and you have to get a map, and you have to get a UXO license. And when you go through the guard shack, because you have to go through the guard shack onto the base, uh, you have to show them your UXO license. And the UXO license teaches you about what unexploded unexploded ordnance looks like. And you're supposed to carry with you a roll of surveyor's tape. You know, when you get your house surveyed, they put those stakes in the ground. They stick those little streamers on it, you know, to yeah. show you where the stakes are. You're supposed to carry a roll of that with you. And if you see unexploded ordnance like a hand grenade or a bomb or something like that, you're supposed to mark a tree. You're not obviously you're not supposed to, hey, what's this? Let me see if it rattles. You're not supposed to touch anything <laughs> like that. What will this do? <laughs> yeah, what if I what if I can throw this? I wonder if That's exactly what would happen. why you don't let me play with the buttons. <laughs> right. I wonder what happens if I drive my car over it. No, you're not supposed to have your car in there. It's like you I wonder if my dirt bike can ride over this. I'll use it as a ramp. No, you're supposed to mark like a tree or something close to where the UXO is, the unexploded ordnance, and you're supposed to, you know, take, you know, your little streamer, stick it on there, and then you're supposed to, if you have a phone, you're supposed to get a GPS Latin lawn, uh, you know, uh, uh, fix on it, and then you're supposed to go back to the guard shack. Okay, uh, at, you know, something, something, you know, latitude, longitude, blah, 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 uh, there's a tree to the right of it, 100 feet away from it, I put a stream, I put a, a piece of surveyor's tape on it, and then, they, and then they send out the bomb squad to check it out, and sometimes, matter of fact, there was one the other day I saw these guys do magnet fishing, you know what magnet fishing is? I have no idea. They have these great big monstrous super magnets, and they put them on a piece of rope. And these guys will go, to, especially like bridges. They'll go. They'll stand on bridges that are over like, you know, over like rivers and stuff like that. That you know, like the criminals, if they if they shoot somebody, and you, where do you get rid of the gun? When you drive over the river, you throw the gun in the water. So these guys get these big magnets on ropes. And they, they reel the ropes off into the water, and then they move them around on the bed of the river, lake, whatever it is. And it, the magnets attacked, you know, attached to metallic things, and they pull it up. So there's these guys, they're doing this, and they pull up a bomb. <laughs> so it's, it's like, and they call the police. It's pretty funny. I saw in the video. They call the police, and the police show up. Yep, put it down. Get away. And they call some nearby army base. And the and the the bomb guys, you know the the EOD guys come out and and ship. Yep, it's a bomb, all right. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> it just happened the other day. I saw the video just last week. Every once in a while, to this day, World War II ended in 1945. Every once in a while, they will find a bomb when they're doing construction work. And this happened someplace in Germany where they got the video of it where they found the bomb and they're trying to defuse the bomb and they thought they had it to the point where they stabilized the bomb and nobody was near it and it blew up. And stuff went everywhere. This was a a bomb that was dropped by a bomber, you know, probably an allied bomber, the United States or or Britain, because Britain bombed a lot of of Europe as well, too. I don't think it was any – I don't think the Russians bombed any part of Europe, at least that part of the the western part of Europe. And, you know, they still find these. Every once in a while, you'll hear of a story of some guy, you know, will go through his grandparents, you know, his grandparents is dead or something like that, and they go through some of his stuff in the attic, and they'll find a hand grenade. And it's live hand grenade. Because back in the day, <clears throat> they don't do it anymore. Back in the day, back, hold on a minute. In World War II, you could bring home batter, battlefield, you know, uh, stuff. 
There's all sorts of, to this day, there are guys that from their fathers or grandfathers or great-grandfathers in some cases have German Lugers, which were picked up off the battlefield in Europe, and they brought them back. Now, today, can't do that anymore because of the fact that, think about it for a minute. You got to go through the airport. Yeah. Back in the day, and what do you have to do at the airport? Go through the metal detectors. No, go through the metal detectors. Back in the day, think about it. Back in the day, like my dad. When my dad came back from World War II, he was on a ship after he'd you know, after they'd defeated the Germans in 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 Europe, he was on a troop ship headed toward Japan because he was going to invade Japan, but instead they dropped the nukes on Japan and the turn and the troop ship turned around and it went to Seattle. So my dad came back to St. Louis. He came they they took they got into port in Seattle. From Seattle he took a train all the way to um, Jefferson Barracks down in South County. The train ended right there. I don't know if there's still train tracks going there anymore or not. And anyway, he got off the train. Um, they you know, had their last time when they were essentially, he was last minute of active duty. Uh, they all stood in formation. The Whoever the officer dismissed them, and they were given either a bus, a bus token or a, back in the day, they had streetcars. My dad took a streetcar token from from. Jefferson Barracks to his his aunt's bar in North City. So in other words, he could have had all sorts of stuff. And I think he did. I think he did have a German Luger with him because he had one. And we think he brought it back from, from World War II. But we don't know what happened to it. Isn't that terrible? We think somebody who worked at our house stole it. Isn't that terrible? I've actually thought that about sometimes um, and about some of the stuff that I had of my parents. Did somebody stole it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who would ever steal anything from your parents? Um, anybody. <laughs> okay, we have to take a break, and we will be back. It is seven thirty. Such a somber note, Brad. Well, I'm 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 lapsing to my. It's NPR. I'm Brad, and she's Shelley. We'll be back <laughs> in a moment. It's seven thirty-one. No, you didn't say that right. Say it, oh. say it NPR-ish. It's seven thirty-one. Very good. It is Tom Jones and his BS.show, and it's Friday. I can play that kind of stuff, and that's even a one Shelly likes. You like that song, don't you? I love that song. Reminds you of your mom, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, your mom was into that kind of stuff. She liked the the show kind of stuff, the brass, the Sammy Davis Jr., the cocktail music, whatever they would call it, right? And, and who was the one that was just singing? That was Tom Jones. She used to date him. No, get out. She did. Get out. It was years and years ago when she was a younger woman, but yes. She – My mom was movie star material. Hold on a minute. Your mom dated Tom Jones. Well, yes. Now, hold on a minute. Supposedly, Tom Jones has, is notorious for having sex with thousands of women. Should I dare ask if – well, I won't even ask that question. How would I know that? <laughs> I don't know. I maybe, wasn't even born. Maybe your mom told you. Hey, Shelly, no, once upon a time was this singer named Tom Jones. Private. And shall we say – we hit it off. No? You don't think that would ever happen? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. But she did tell me that she did used just to date that man. Okay. She was beautiful. You strikingly sh- beautiful. You sure it wasn't Tom Jones, the South County Lincoln Mercury dealer who was on South Lindbergh? <laughs> um, it wasn't him? Pretty sure, Brad. Okay. She was a shoe model. She was in that oh socialite, and, and and he was, and he had foot fetish. You're right. He probably they probably did meet, right? Oh, stop it! <laughs> Ew. Okay, okay. Hold on a minute. I have to. T- I've. I've got to get serious for a minute. Okay. 
did you hear and and you know what i have to tell you that i now feel sad for the guy because i think he's being used as a pawn you know who i'm talking about uh the president john fetterman remember i saw something about him and <sighs> i was gonna text you and say is this is this the one that went up against Dr. Oz? Yes. And the story is, first off, he's an interesting-looking guy. He's like, and I'm not exaggerating, he's like six foot nine and weighs like 400 pounds, and he looks like something out of a super villain music or, or movie. He looks like somebody who'd be chasing Spider-Man around or something like that, okay? He's just a strange-looking dude, plus he dresses weird and a whole bit. Okay, he was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, and he ran for the Senate seat against Dr. Oz. And right before the campaign really got heated, he had a stroke. Okay, once again, my mom dealt with people who had strokes, and it's a terrible thing to have happen to you. Some people can recover from it. A lot of them don't. And he lost a lot of his cognitive abilities to speak and to listen and things like that. You remember, Which is really a hard thing to deal with. It's terrible. It's 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 like it's to me. Yes, it is. It's it's my worst fear. I'll be honest with you. I hope that if I'm going to go, you know, next week that I get hit by a tractor trailer and oh, I'm dead before I, I get. I'm dead before I know what hit me. Or or they shoot down a pico balloon and they miss, and a harpoon missile hits me, and I'm vaporized in seconds, and I didn't feel anything. Okay, so anyway, he can't remember during the election. He couldn't make any appearances. Any when he did make. Hold on. Had to sneeze. Okay. Anyway, when he did make appearances. He talked for like 30 seconds, and he wouldn't make any sense. And remember, they had this deal where when he was in the debate, they had to have someone closed caption and stuff because he said he couldn't hear. And matter of fact, he says that everybody sounds like um, Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, when, you know, when Charlie Brown. Okay, so he's he, he wins over Dr. Oz, and he's inaugurated last month, okay? Last week, he ends up in the hospital because he's dizzy, Okay. Yesterday, he gets out of the hospital last weekend, over the weekend. Yesterday, he checks himself into Walter Reed Medical Center in, where is that, Virginia or someplace. It's a D.C. hospital, usually the military hospital, because he's got depression. And, and once again, there's all these doctors coming out and say, well, depression is, is a, is a um, you know, uh, sometimes a unfortunate situation that comes along after a stroke. People get depressed. And they said he's always been depressed. Okay, look. I'm not making fun of the guy. I feel sorry for the guy because it's like weekend at Bernie's. The, the, the Democrats knew that they could beat Oz and they could probably put up a chihuahua to beat Dr. Oz because if you know the whole story, the people in Pennsylvania didn't like Dr. Oz because they said he was a carpetbagger. He didn't really live in Pennsylvania. He really lived in New Jersey. And I think he went to graduated from medical school in Pennsylvania. I don't know the whole story. And there are the people who didn't like him because he has dual citizenship. He still has citizenship in Turkey. So they put this poor guy up who can't talk, who can't walk, and they put him in con- in, in the Senate. And there's an, there was something I just read two weeks ago that talked about, oh, all the senators are loving working with John Fetterman because he they have to carry. He carries around some iPad or something like that. And when somebody talks to him, he holds up the iPad in front of their mouth, and essentially then he looks at what they said because he can't, can't understand what's coming out of their mouth. And I'm going like, this guy is a senator, okay? Once again. But there's nothing to say that you can't be disabled and be a, and not be a senator. Okay, I will say this, Shelley. 
used to work for the FAA, okay? Let's say I was an air traffic controller and I had a stroke and I came back to work and I couldn't understand what the pilots were saying to me. And I would say, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Then what they yeah. would do was they would either um, make reasonable accommodations and try to accommodate you, whatever that may be, or if you could no longer do the job that you were hired to do, they would put you on a retirement. But I'm talking about Disab- someone. Disab- disability retirement. Okay, let's say I had a stroke and I applied to the FAA to be an air traffic controller and I could barely talk. And they would they say, well, sorry, you you can't talk. Right? I mean, I want, see, it would be like me saying, I want to be a doctor, but yet. I can't, you know, I've got Parkinson's disease and I can't hold my hands, you know, you know, there comes a time when everyone, me included, has to say, you know what, I can't do this job anymore. I can't perform the duties of this job. And especially... I had to do that. Well, I get it. And you walked away from the FAA because of medical conditions. I understand that. And I applaud you for that. But there comes a time when if you're becoming one of 100 in the entire country, a senator... If you can't do the job, then don't do the job. Resign. Get out of there. You know, it's like Barbara Boxer. We talked about her. She's got Alzheimer's so bad. It comes out, was it just Monday or Tuesday? The announcement came out from her office that she was retiring, and there was a quote in there from her saying, hey, I'm so sorry. After all these years, it's, I'm going to call it quicks after this session's over. And then she walks out of her office, and the press talks to her, and she doesn't know anything about it because she can't remember it. She shouldn't be a senator anymore. There should be I, a- I, uh I feel her pain. Well, <laughs> it's sad when that happens to people, but there comes a point when, like, look at athletes. There comes a point when when even Tom Brady, who was like the superhuman robo-football player, says, you know what, it's time for me to stop doing this. Because, you know, and, and, and you know, the crazy thing about it is this past season, well, he didn't do very well with the team. He still set records. I mean, here's a guy who's 45 years old, play, still playing in the NFL. He's like, he's like a superhuman kind of dude. You know what I mean? There aren't too many. I mean, the average life expectancy or the average career expectancy for someone in the in the in the NFL is like two and a half years. You know, I mean, so many guys make it to the NFL. I mean, only so many guys make it to the NFL, and you're playing on the highest, highest, highest level. If you're one of the best people, I mean, think about it. Patrick Mahomes can rightfully say he's the best football quarterback in the world right now. Because, first off, they don't play football in other countries. But if they did, they could kick anybody's butt because we've got the best football players in the world right here in the United States playing for the NFL, okay? The Kansas City Chiefs are the world's best football team. And there's nobody here in St. Louis, I guarantee you, of all the kids who are playing high school football, there's probably, right now, sophomore, junior, seniors, every kid who's playing high school football, maybe one, maybe two in the entire St. Louis area will ever make it to the NFL, ever. just doesn't happen because you're playing on that super, super rarefied air of being an NFL football player. And once again, if Patrick Mahomes, remember the whole thing with the Super Bowl right before the halftime, he gets tackled and, oh, my God, he's limping, he can't. And he sucks it up and comes back out and wins the game, okay? He's superhuman. The guy is like, you know, like he will be something that, Nine nine million men will never be. He will be something that a hundred million men will never be, a Super Bowl champion. But yet there's going to come a day when Patrick Mahomes is going to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore, and he's going to walk away. You know what I'm saying? 
Everybody has to have that day. They have to have that day when I can't do the job anymore. I can't set. And once again, if you are a senator, there comes a time when you have to say, you know what? This is not about me. It's about the country. I have to quit and resign. But they won't do that because you know why? Why? Because it's 51 to 49, and if he walks away and they put in a Republican senator or they have a real you know, election fart, oh, it could be 50 to 50. We can't have that. God. What a world. What a world. What a world. Okay, we have to take a break. Okay. 745. You win some, you, win some, you lose some, and some get rained out. The most important thing in life is dress out for every game. 746. Oh. It is BS.show. Who does not like that song? Ray Orbison, the late great. 750, good morning. It's uh, a Friday morning. I can get away with playing music that I normally don't play because Friday is the best day of the entire week. Remember going to school? You couldn't wait till Friday came around because you didn't have to listen to that stupid teacher for another day because Saturday morning was cartoons, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. And by the way, Julia Roberts. I was gonna say, I could. I have this. I have this mental block in my brain about Julia Roberts. I cannot remember her name. I cannot. Okay, now I'm gonna make a phone call here. We're gonna see if this person answers. Man, I'm working the phones this morning, aren't I? Working those phones. Calling you. Calling John Combest. I'm not gonna say who I'm calling because he probably won't answer. Hello. Hey, it's me. You're on the air. Don't cuss. Okay. Did you? Uh, this is my son, Brett. Did you see the article I sent you yesterday about the balloon balloon boys? Uh-uh. You didn't see this? No. Okay. You know the, the, the military shot down the three balloons after they shot down the Chinese balloon near you, right? Did you see that balloon go over your house in Florida? No, I didn't see any of them. I know the one of the they went out in South Carolina, they uh Jamie's family saw it went right over uh went right over Columbia. Okay, so a group of balloon enthusiasts came out yesterday and said hey that balloon you guys shot down it was our balloon they called him a pico balloon have you ever heard of this before i thought you'd know about this no they're small balloons typically like like very small balloons that and they put a payload on the balloon which in and and most of these guys are ham radio operators and the balloons have a GPS unit which is tied into a radio data transmitter and it transmits its position around the world and some of these balloons have gone around the world two and three times and they're like they're like cost is between twenty and hundred and twenty dollars. You don't know about oh. this. I thought for sure you'd know about this. No, I did not know about that. But don't you find it interesting that they're shooting down kids' balloons or, you know, hobbyist balloons with $400,000 Sidewinder missiles, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the funny part of all of it is, yeah, you're running around shooting Mylar balloons with... Well, uh, see, what I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't know this, but apparently there's a certain amount of helium you put into the balloon and it reaches a certain height... In this case, they said when this balloon was shot down, and it's funny because they, the Army, uh, Air Force said they shot down the balloon at 40,000 feet, and these guys, this balloon club in Illinois, said that their balloon, when it last transmitted to them, the altitude was 39,820 feet. So that's got to be their balloon. Okay, but it's interesting, and I didn't know this, that when the balloons get to a certain height in the atmosphere, they reach equilibrium, and they don't, they just stay there at that altitude forever. Oh, they, uh, they won't. They There's just, not enough pressure to push the gas out of the balloon. Yeah, and then, yeah. 
Essentially, it, and, and the atmosphere becomes very thin. You know, the air becomes very thin out there. And they say it's an art to be able to figure out, and there's a mathematical calculation you have to put if the balloon and the payload weighs X amount of white, you have to put in so many cubic feet of helium, and then you let the thing go, and it'll it go up to the altitude. And, it just, and it's interesting because they say that it's legal under six pounds. There's no FAA regulation, and these guys are ham radio operators. But there are some countries that they are not allowed to transmit over because they don't have an agreement with whatever the international organization is. So these guys geofence the balloons so when they're over these countries, the transmitter stays silent. And then when it goes, when it leaves the country's airspace, it goes back into transmitting mode and they know exactly where it's at. They know latitude, longitude, altitude, the whole bit. And huh. 120 bucks. I thought you'd know about this. Nope. We went and shot all these guys towards now. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're we're firing four hundred thousand dollar Sidewinder missiles at at two foot Mylar balloons. You know, matter of fact, I don't know if you heard this or not. We laughed about it on the air that one of the spokespeople said that the balloons could have been used car lot balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I was in the balloon business? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. I, I... <laughs> If it were me, I wouldn't bring that to anybody's attention that they're shooting down used car lot balloons with F-22. That's just would I wouldn't I wouldn't let the public know that because that seems like a gigantic waste and you look like an idiot. Yeah, they're only four hundred thousand dollars a piece. Okay, you doing okay? Yeah, a little sick right now, but oh, you sound a little bit like you like a head cold or something like that. Don't don't tell me you got the vid. No, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Okay, Jamie. Jamie brought it home from the cesspit that is a. Uh, <laughs> Her work. And That's a she had it all this week, and now I've got it. That's a terrible thing to say. Okay, have a good day. Uh, I'll talk to you later. I love you. Bye. Love you too, bud. My son, Brett, who I'm surprised doesn't know about the... The cutest thing in the world... Of what? Is when you call your kids. Well, my daughter won't talk to me. <laughs> well... She's an attorney. That's why she won't talk to me. She's afraid I'm going to get her in trouble. Uh-uh. I can kind of understand well, that. I'm like, what am I going to say? Hey, you know that Smith case? The guy's guilty as hell. I would never say that. <laughs> Stuff like that. No, I would never say that. Yes, you would. <laughs> my, it's my son, anyway. Brett, who is just a savant of a kid. You know, I have four kids. They're all super smart. They got it from their mom, not from their dad. And they've all been so smart to stay away from my industry, stay away from the radio business, the media business, you know, do something that's productive. My son has a great job down in Pensacola. See, see, I, I, I still think the world of him. It was one of those things as a parent where he got, there were things that happened to him in St. Louis that just weren't good. I mean, you know, and some of it was, his own doing, maybe of the 100% of things that happened to him that weren't good, 10% was his own doing. 90% was just wrong place, wrong time. You know, had a job that go, went nowhere. Had a job that they shut down the company. Companies were bankrupt, that kind of stuff. And one day, he came home and said, my friend Devin, who he, was a high school buddy, who married a, a, lady, a lady from the Navy, and, they were stationed, and she was stationed out in Pensacola. And he said, I'm going to see Devin. I'm going to ride my motorcycle down there. We'll go, what? I'm going to ride your motorcycle down to Pensacola, Florida? Yeah, I'm going to ride my motorcycle to Pensacola, Florida. Get some of his motorcycle, you know, literally backpack on his back, helmet on, drives down to Pensacola, Florida. Comes back a week later. Hey, Mom and Dad, uh, I don't live here anymore. I've decided I don't like the area. I'm moving to Pensacola. I already rented an apartment. A week later, I'm helping him load up his truck, 
putting stuff in a in a in a U-Haul trailer, and he's gone. You know, and I didn't see him for like two years. And you know, and you did see him though on Christmas. Well, he's lived down there. I guess he's lived down there six years now, six or seven years. It's been a well, while. Well, you've been down there almost every Christmas. No, I didn't go this past Christmas because uh, because well, his. That, I'm it, talking about. When he first went down there, that's what you did. That was your jam. I've been down there, I think, four times to see him. I go down, I drive. What? And people, I tell the story. People go, "What?" I leave on Christmas morning, Christmas Eve morning, five o'clock in the morning. I drive down to Pensacola on Christmas Eve. Him and I go out to dinner, and the last time it was with his new girlfriend, Jamie. We go out to dinner. I go back to my hotel. I leave at five o'clock on Christmas morning, and I'm back here in St. Louis by five o'clock in the evening on Christmas night. And I and I usually you know I you know and the crazy thing about it is is that in Pensacola there's a bunch of restaurants that are open on Christmas Eve. I don't think there's any restaurants here in St. Louis that are open on Christmas Eve. Do you know of any ones that are open on Christmas Eve? We went last yeah over in St. Louis. Last time we went we uh, we ate at at, at Texas Roadhouse um, at uh, you know at a at a place is that what it is Texas Roadhouse? We had a Texas Roadhouse down there, and all the times before that we ate at um, at Outback. That's where we ate. And that was that was that was my and you know an out and back so, okay out and back out and back yes that was my trip out and back and you know what I told you the story the last time I drove back <laughs> once again Shelly accused me you drive forty miles an hour in the interstate had a guy pass me probably doing one hundred and forty miles an hour and I'm driving a Mustang I'm coming through Mississippi on Highway forty five four lane divided highway but it's, it looks like an interstate but it's not and I think to myself okay I'm just going to fall in behind that guy if, if he gets nailed by radar it won't be me it'll be him so I just drive up behind him catch up with him and I'm doing about 120 130 miles an hour northbound oh of course I, honest, I don't think so honest to god no I mean I thought to myself what am I going to do is cop going to pull me over on Christmas morning give me a ticket no way and you got the windows down and the G-Force are sitting there, no. you know, pulling at your face. 120 miles an hour. Uh-huh. 120. For how long? Uh, a good half an hour. Who caught you? Nobody. Finally, he turned off. That's why I'm going like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore because I'm not I'm not going to be the guy who's, who's you know, the front guy doing 120 miles an hour. I want to be the guy behind the guy doing 120 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? Officer, I was just... <laughs> You know, I was going just, with the flow of traffic. Exactly. I was just, I was just going with the flow. You know, I didn't even look at my speedometer. I was just following that guy in front of me, pretty solo. Oh my God, 120. <laughs> I just saw their hair blowing out of the window, and I thought, Oh my gosh, that's so nice. I want that. Too. If you've ever been up early on Christmas morning, it's very strange because it's it has, is it's a strange quiet that you don't normally hear. Right. If, if you live That's true. if you live near an interstate, the interstates there's nobody on the interstates. I was driving from Pensacola to Mobile on I-10. That's how I go. I go go west leaving Pensacola. I go west he on likes 10. You go through the tunnel. Well, I go west on 10. And at one point in time on Interstate 10, which is a major east-west interstate in the United States, you know, it's the southernmost one. Uh, I could look out my window, and it's flat down there. I could look at my window, probably see three, four, four miles ahead of me. Could easily see another three, four, five, four, five miles behind me. See the other traffic. I'm the only car. There's nobody else around. Nope. On it's like it's like some it kind was of like the day after COVID. Right. It's like some crazy weird movie where the aliens come down and grab us all, and you know, and and we're all and there's only one guy left, and it's me, and I'm out on Interstate 10. 
It's just and bizarre. And there's nobody around, you know? And even the even you know, even you drive like I went through downtown Mobile, Alabama. I could have shot a rocket off in downtown Mobile, Alabama, and not hit anybody. I mean there was just nobody around. Just crazy. That's the only time of the year when it's like that. One day out of the year, six o'clock in the morning, five to six, five to seven o'clock in the morning and Christmas morning, there's nobody on the streets. It's just dessert. Because everybody's at home, tucked in bed, getting ready to open up their presents. In my case, standing at White Castle, wondering why they're not open. You know what I'm saying? They're open 24-7. No, that's my that's my pet peeve in life is they places say, open 24 hours a day, and you go there and they're closed. Okay, so which hour? They're is... closed? Yeah, White Castle closes on Christmas. Didn't you know that? No. Yeah, they close on Christmas and Thanksgiving. I think they're closed on Easter, too. They didn't too. used to. Oh, they are now. They're closed on Easter. They're, not I know they're... back in the 70s Christmas... and 80s. Or eight... Yeah, 70s and 80s. Christmas and Thanksgiving, they're closed. Yeah, not there. Okay, we got to go. We're out. We're over. Oh, we that can't... snuck up on me. It's... Oh, yeah, was, because, because I was late. You've oh. only done half the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, glad I could join you, Brad. Shelly, go back to bed. And see, you've got a big fan in John Combest. Is he, makes, he is such a nice guy. He makes fun of me, and he, he applauds the genius that is Shelly and the smartest woman in the world, and he denounces the stupidity that is Brad, right? Actually, I kind of think he, he, he thinks quite well of you. No, he doesn't. Okay. Yes, he does. We have to it. go. Say goodbye, Shelly. Goodbye, Shelly. Peace and I fly. Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning Show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive, LLC. See you soon.